From the K-Rob Collection, this is Audio Antiques, featuring programs from the golden age of American radio. I'm Ken Robinson. On this show, we're going to learn about life in the inner city. We have a 1944 episode of the classic radio drama, New World A-Coming. It's entitled, Ghettos, the Black Belt, Their History. The narrator is celebrated African-American actor, Canada Lee. The show begins right after this. Stock market traders need the right financial visualizations to be successful. And that's what FinViz Elite is all about. FinViz Elite provides real-time market data, research, screeners, ratings, and technical indicators backed by 24 years of historical statistics, all presented in an advertising-free interface at a price everyone can afford. Get details about FinViz Elite at krobcollection.com. If you're tired of outrageously expensive cell phone bills, come on over to Mint Mobile. Talk, text, and data plans just start at $15 a month. There are no contracts. Sign up and Mint will send you a SIM card. Just insert it into your phone. You can even keep your old number. So don't make your cell phone provider rich. Keep that money in your wallet. Go to krobcollection.com for details on Mint Mobile. With the sweep and fury of the resurrection, there's a new world a-coming. Every Sunday at this hour, WMCA, in cooperation with the Citywide Citizens Committee on Harlem, brings you a series of vivid programs dramatizing the inner meanings of Negro life, based on the prize-winning bestseller, New World A-Coming, by Roy Ockley, featuring Lee Whipper, star of the film Oxbow Incident, Miss Muriel Smith, star of Carmen Jones, and as narrator, Mr. Canada Lee. is fighting a war against fascism. But we still have ghettos in America. The symbol of ghetto life in the United States is the black belt in any community. New York's black belt is Harlem. Here almost a half million Negroes live within two square miles. On one street alone exists 4,000 men, women, and children crammed into a handful of tenements. Some are in basement dungeons. Harlem is only one of thousands of black belts stretched endlessly across the country. For everywhere that Negroes live in the United States, they're confined to slum corrals. How did the black belts come about? Why do they still exist? This is our story today. Back at the turn of the century, New York's black belt was situated in Midtown. 
It was a dismal area wedged between the notorious Tenderloin and San Juan Hill sections. Life was dangerous. Hand to mouth and dog eat dog. Negro clergymen attempted to combat these conditions, but gospel bombardment failed. So finally, Reverend A. Clayton Powell of the Abyssinian Baptist Church, heading a group of clergymen, went to see the mayor. Mayor Gaynor, the plight of our people is desperate. They're jobless, epidemics are frequent, loss of life enormous. Two babies in every seven die before they're one year old. Well, gentlemen, what do you wish to see me about? Thousands of Negroes from the South and the West Indies have come to New York and settled in the district. This human landslide is jammed into three blocks. They pay exorbitant rents, though they earn very low income. The houses they live in are dilapidated, ill-ventilated, vermin-ridden. Two or three families live in one room. Are you prepared to show me evidence of these conditions, Reverend Paul? Your Honor, it's common knowledge that these conditions exist. Just walk through the streets of our neighborhood, and you'll have all the proof you need. Well, I cannot act without evidence. Well, uh... And, gentlemen, in the future, don't bother coming to City Hall with protests about conditions in your neighborhood until you can bring proof. Mr. Mayor, court records and newspaper reports shriek of violence, disease, and epidemic. Gentlemen, I bid you good day. What? <laughs> Without official interest and support, efforts to change conditions were futile. So Negroes naturally sought to escape to the more desirable neighborhoods of the city. This began the great trek to Harlem. But then up came the metropolitan press denouncing what they called the black invasion of Harlem. Even the liberal New York world joined the chorus. The Negro is entitled to pitch his tent wherever he wishes. But, Wherever he does, calamitous depreciation follows. The assimilative ideal is premature. We feel that Negroes and whites should live separately. Some people spoke in more pointed terms. Assuming the role of spokesman for the white community, the indicator, a real estate publication, declared... Negroes should not only be disfranchised, but also segregated in some colony on the outskirts of the city. Their transportation and other problems will not inflict injustice and disgust on worthy white citizens. The presence of Negroes in Harlem is most undesirable to us white people. Gentlemen, let's get down to business. The landlords refuse to rent apartments in Harlem to Negroes. We're gathered here in this church to decide what to do. We all want to bring up our families in a decent neighborhood where they can go to good schools and have healthy surroundings. And Mr. Chairman, I move that we form a company, the Afro-American Realty Company, and buy houses in Harlem. It seems to be the most likely place to go... And if the white folks want rent to us, then let us own our own houses. That way, where well, they can't borrow us. But that'll take a lot of money. And we don't have that kind of cash. 
It means thousands of dollars. Well, we may not have so much money, but we all have saved a little for a rainy day. This is a rainy day. Why don't we pool our savings? I agree. But, but if we buy a house, will we be able to hold it? People in the neighborhood of Harlem have formed a property owners association. Now, if you men will join me, I'll start the ball rolling with $500 for the new company. I'll match it. All right. All right. These new-founded realty companies failed. Barely a thousand Negroes were able to move into Harlem then. Gradually, though, the little colony expanded. It spread. The white residents became alarmed. Soon they threw up their hands in despair. In panic, they fled from the incoming Negroes, as if running from a plague. Harlem had become New York's new black belt. Today... The white community forms a solid ring around Harlem, so rigid that few can move beyond its borders with, within this overcrowded slum corral. Negroes are desperately fumbling for elbow room. They need the air of freedom. Harlem can't hold any more people. Now let's turn to a family planning to escape the black belt today. Why? Yes, Mother. Have faith. Yep. Dog time. We had a tough trip through North Africa. She was rough and we had to zigzag across to duck the Nazi submarine. Oh, how's the crew? Oh, my crew stood up well. Negroes and white. Fine. Oh, that's, this is your seventh trip, isn't it? Yep. Seven long voyages to the fighting front. But our boys need the things we carry. Guns and all that. Every successful trip shortens the war that much. Yes, but you look a little drawn. Come sit down and rest, and I'll get you something to eat. Nothing now, Mother. Where the kids? Oh, I'll play, and they'll be in soon. You know, you, the children are awfully proud of you. Yeah? Just yesterday, I heard Sonny telling another boy that my father is captain of the Liberty <laughs> ship, the Booker T. Washington. Oh, He's I... so proud of you. Sonny, it's something I'll tell you. You know, Mother, after this war, and winning this war is important hey, to Don't us. I know it. After the war is over, I'm going to settle down on land. Maybe I'll have that house paid for by then. Mm -hmm. You still have your heart set on the new house. Yes, dear, all the way back from this trip, I kept thinking we were going to settle down in that little red brick house I saw before I left. Oh, by the way, did the real estate agent get in touch with you? Oh, yes, he did. He told me that everything was coming along fine. But I thought I had better wait until you returned. All right, dear. Tomorrow we'll run down and draw up the necessary papers. Oh, it'd be awfully nice to get the children in a better environment. And you deserve your own home, too. <laughs> Darling. Oh, well, let's go in. 
Yes? Uh, I'm Captain Hugh Malzak. Uh, this is Mrs. Malzak. Oh, how do you do? Uh, if you don't mind, sir, I'd like to show my wife a house while we're waiting for the real estate agent. He's due along with the papers soon. Captain Malzak? Yeah. Well, we, uh, we had no idea that the house was going to colored people. Uh, the agent never said so. Does that matter? You have a sign on the building saying for sale. Well, we have no objections to your race, but our neighbors would object. What? Yes, we have a sort of understanding among ourselves that no owner in this street would ever sell to Negroes. They say the surrounding property would quickly depreciate. What nonsense. Well, don't blame me because you're colored. Bar Negroes or any other group of people from any neighborhood is not practicing democracy. This is one of the reasons that makes housing for Negroes such an acute problem. The need for a decent place to live exists at every income level. Particularly is it acute among Negroes who could afford to live outside the slum areas. But the opposition to Negroes escaping the black belt is often well organized. This seems to have been the case some 13 years ago when Dr. Errol Collymore, a Negro, moved into a White Plains neighborhood. Bring the ladder closer to the window, darling. Yes, sir. Oh, we are going to be mighty happy here. Certainly glad to get away from those alleys in the, on the other side of town. Wait till I'm through getting these curtains up. <laughs> Didn't he go to look pretty? Errol, will you pull down those shades, please? Oh, never mind. I'll do it. Sweetheart, who are those men in our lawn? What are those things they're wearing? Let me see. They look like the Ku Klux Klan. It's a course they're putting up. They're lighting it. Now, Collymore, as president of the bank, I tell you, you've got to move out. These men with me represent the community. Now, we want to settle this question quietly. Gentlemen... I've bought my house with money I've earned. I don't intend to give it up. Oh, but you're forgetting you owe a mortgage on it. You see, if you don't move out, we'll be forced to make it tough for you. You'd wish that you'd never heard of White Plains before. As head of the bank, I can call in your mortgage, you see, and you'll lose every dollar you've buried in this house. Now, uh, here's Mr. Jones, a member of the YMCA board. He's got something to tell you. Call him on. I'm going to come right to the point. We put you on the YMCA Board of Management because we thought you would set a good example for the other Negroes. But moving into a white neighborhood is presumptuous. We won't tolerate it. The first thing you know, all Negroes will want to live here. If you don't get out, we'll throw you off this board. Mr. Jones, I intend to remain. Now, Collymore, you're forcing us to take drastic action. There's a meeting tonight. 
People want to know what you're going to do. I will not move. Now listen, Collymore. Well, don't say I didn't warn you. Fellow members, fellow members of the Highland Property Association, ladies and gentlemen, I saw Collymore today. That Negro doesn't scare easily. We're faced with a pretty bad situation if he stays in that house. Now we have here tonight a pretty representative group. This is our community, and we must do something about it. I say, let's drive him out. Let's make an example of it. No Negro will put his foot in White Plains again. Please, gentlemen. May I say a word? All right, ladies and gentlemen, quiet. Quiet, please. Rabbi Goldman wants to say something. Friends, this is wrong. Very wrong. Dr. Collimore has lived in White Plains since 1930. He is a quiet, cultured, and industrious man who has been a credit to our community. I have heard every one of you say so on many occasions. He seeks to do for himself and his family what you are trying to do. He wants to give them the decent things of life. More important, though, is the fact that we live in a democracy which guarantees every man the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Dr. Collimore, in fact, all Negroes have a right to live where they choose. Beware. You are attempting to violate a sacred right of every man. I ask you to refrain from this lynch spirit. I agree with Rabbi Goldman. Uh, Reverend Fairley, did you wish to say something? Thank you. I do not think I can add anything to what Rabbi Goldman has said, but I plead with you to end this lynch spirit. Dr. Collimore has a right to live where he wants. Let's respect his rights. For in respecting them, we're safeguarding our own. Let's remember that. May I say a word, please? I'm Mrs. Mary Palmer. All I want to say is, can't we at least try to find out how agreeable, decent colored folk can be as neighbors? Let's try. This affair closed amiably. In White Plains, Dr. Collimore resides today in the home of his own choosing, a highly respected citizen of this community. Perhaps the Collimore incident is the exception. For often Negroes have become embroiled in racial conflict of a violent sort. Just recently, Herman Holliday, his wife Augusta, and their 10-day-old daughter moved into an apartment in East Elmhurst, Queens. After tidying up the two bedrooms, a living room, a kitchen, and a bath, Holliday left for his night shift job as a mechanic at the general post office. At 3 o'clock in the morning... 
the matter, baby? Boy, smoke is coming through the door. I wonder. The house is on fire. I've got to go back and get the baby. had no business moving in here. You're Mrs. Holiday, ain't you? Yes, officer. How did this thing start? I don't know. Except that the neighbors have been threatening my husband and me since we moved in a few days ago. Huh? This is our first attempt at housekeeping. Our, our new furniture came in just today. It's all ruined. Who could be this mean? Just because we're colored. Excuse me. Say, officer, you got any dope on this fire? My paper sent me down for the story. Well, the house is almost burnt to the ground. Uh, who started it? Well, how should I know? I'm only a cop. You're the reporter. Okay, okay. Hey, lady. Please. My name is Mr. Wayne. Well, uh, Mr. Wayne, do you know anything about this fire? The man who let them in that house started the whole thing. He never liked me. I live next door, you know. But when he left, he did the final spiteful thing. He sold his house to colored people. Well, it seems like a pretty awful thing to burn down the home of these people. Why, that woman's husband was discharged from the army two months ago. After two and a half years in the service. Well, would you like them as your neighbors? Pictures by no means all black, though. Great changes have already begun. Public housing projects are the beginning. Now such housing has, of course, reduced slums. But more has happened today. Today, Negroes and whites are living under the same roof. There are more than 20-odd projects in cities like, like Chicago, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and New York that are occupied harmoniously by Negro and white tenants. How did this enlightened policy come about? Well, listen to Frank M. Didesheen, Housing Authority Secretary of New York City. We do not countenance discrimination. We operate in accordance with the principles of the Constitution of the United States. We don't ask the racial identity of tenants. We believe that a housing project should follow the composition of the city, which, of course, includes all races, colors, and creeds. A southern white family took an apartment in one of New York's housing projects, but expressed some misgivings about Negroes living next door. Nine months later, he was saying to the manager of the project, We finally decided not to move. We like the small-town atmosphere. Everyone is friendly and neighborly. Why, when my wife had to go to the hospital recently, three Negro women volunteered to feed my little one while I was at work and prepare for school each morning. And I've been getting some good down-home cooking lately. My colored neighbor's been fixing meals for me, and me and her husband have dinner together. I think a whole lot of white folks can learn a lesson by what's happened to us. (laughs) 
planning for tomorrow. Mixed housing, where Negro and white live together in harmony, should be encouraged if, as is declared daily, we are fighting a war to extend democracy to all peoples, then we must fall into step and plan for a new and democratic era. The ghetto in American life must go. You have been listening to New World A-Coming, the fifth in a series of programs devoted to the Negro's contribution to American life. Starring in today's broadcast were Lee Whipper, star of the film Oxbow Incident, Miss Muriel Smith, star of Carmen Jones, and as narrator, Mr. Canada Lee, distinguished American actor. We invite you to be with us again next Sunday at 3 past 3. New World A-Coming, radio presentation, is written by Roy Otley and is based upon Mr. Otley's book by the same name. The program is produced and directed by Mitchell Grayson. John Velasco assisted. Music was conducted by Bill Wurgis. Our theme song is composed by Duke Ellington. The cast today included Lee Whipper, Muriel Smith, Martin Wolfson, Richard Huey, P.J. Sidney, Ken Renard, Ralph Bell, Randy Eccles, Hilda Offley, Humphrey Davis, and Ethel Everett. This was a public service feature of WMCA. Speaking, this is America's leading independent station. Bring your finances into the 21st century with a My Checking account at Nationwide Bank, powered by Axos. My Checking is designed so you can bank on your terms. This account offers unlimited domestic ATM fee reimbursements, no monthly maintenance fees, and no minimum balance requirements. Nationwide Bank offers Direct Deposit Express, so you can receive your paycheck up to two days earlier. Plus, there's a free app so you can bank on your phone no matter where you are. Open a new My Checking account at krobcollection.com and receive $20. If you are a new Nationwide or Axos Bank customer and deposit $500 into your account within 90 days. Nationwide is on your side with a $20 gift for opening a free My Checking account powered by Axos. Nationwide is on your side. Get full details at krobcollection.com. From the K-Rob Collection, this has been Audio Antiques, a program featuring shows from the golden age of American radio. I'm Ken Robinson, urging you to subscribe to this podcast and to share it with anyone who loves classic broadcasts. Our music is by H Beats. That's H Beats with a Z. Thanks so much for listening.